Welcome to the inaugural episode of the Gift of Time podcast, hosted by Bart Justice of Axios Solutions. Today's episode gets to the heart of the Gift of Time podcast as Bart talks with his cousin, Ken Morrow, about the unique and special ways Bart's grandfather impacted the people God placed in his path. Thanks for joining us. Well, welcome everyone to the inaugural podcast of The Gift of Time, and uh, our guest is Ken Morrow. Uh, Thanks for uh, joining us, Ken. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure, Bart. Um, I grew up in uh, northwest Alabama, a little small town of Red Bay, uh, out in the country from there. So I grew up a farm boy and my dad always loved farming, but he had left farming when I was very young. And um, so he had worked for TVA and then the Postal Service. But he was one who, uh, the way his career had gone, he was able to still do some farming on the side and was very involved with my brothers and I in that way. Um, I went uh, away to school at Auburn after a couple of years at a community college locally. War Eagle. War Eagle and uh, uh, married my wife, Pam, and that transition headed in there. Uh, we have a couple of sons and seven grandsons. Wow. Our name is going to continue, it looks like. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Uh, seven grandsons. Wow. It's just the strangest thing. You know, we kept thinking, surely there's going to be a little girl. But uh, God has given us grandsons, and uh, we're delighted to have them. They're wonderful boys. So. So thankful for them. We live in Atlanta now and have for uh, about uh, 35, a little over 35 years now. Wow. Well, hey, I just want to thank you for being my first guest. It was very important that you be my first guest uh, because it's going to provide some context into why we are calling this podcast the gift of time. Um, the interesting thing about uh, our relationship is that we met for the first time about eight years ago but we're actually cousins. Um, right. And so the, the story goes like this. Uh, I have a friend that, uh, well, he just passed away last year, but he had an experimental aircraft and he wanted to fly me to a men's retreat uh, up at Windy Gap, North Carolina. And uh, so I, I shot a note to a friend of mine that's one of the, the core people there at the men's retreat. And I said, hey, uh, is there any way somebody could pick us up at the airport? And so he sent an email and copied you on it. And I guess you were trying to find somebody to pick us up at the airport to take us out to the retreat center. And I saw your name. I saw Morrow. And uh, I was like, huh, there's going to be a Morrow there. I'll have to look out for him. There's like 500 men at this thing, but we have name tags. So uh, I had my my eyes peeled and, and. I was walking out of one of the first sessions and, and you were actually holding the door and I saw your name. And so I said, Hey, uh, do you happen to have any relatives in Red Bay, Alabama? And you just kind of looked at me <laughs> and you were like, I'm from Red Bay. And I was like, no, you're not from Red Bay. I know all the morals in Red Bay. And you're like, well, I moved away a long time ago and you know, but, but I'm a Red Bay morrow. And I was like, wow. And so I said, well, Grover Morrow was my grandfather. I'm the oldest grandson uh, uh, of Grover Morrow. And you just looked at me and you said, 
Uncle Grover? <laughs> <laughs> and so this is, this is our introduction. And you had somewhere to be right then, but you were very intentional. And you said, hey, listen, I want to tell you about your grandfather. So I'm going to grab you sometime this weekend and, and I'll, I'll tell you some, some stories. And so I think it was the next day uh, you grabbed me at one of the meals and you sat me down and you told me some things uh, about my, my granddaddy. And one of the things that you said that stood out to me was that you said your granddad had the gift of time. Right. And as soon as you said that, it just it resonated with me. I knew exactly what you were talking about. He had time for everyone that came into his life. Every one of us grandchildren thought we were the, the, the favorite. Exactly. <laughs> and there's a lot of us. And we all thought that we were granddaddy's uh, favorite. And uh, so he used to take me around all over the place and we would, he would set me up on top of a, a counter or a cooler and he would talk to people and then we'd go to the next place and uh, he would stop by one of his, um, uh, you know, plots of land or some of his investments, or he would even take me to school and I would sit in his high school class uh, as a five, six year old uh, and sit there with all these high school students. Uh, learning about agriculture and stuff. So um, he, he was a, a fascinating man. And that phrase, the gift of time has stuck with me over the last eight years. And when I was th started wanting to do a podcast that dealt with investing in people, I thought, what, what a great name. And I, I got to get Ken on this podcast to talk about uh, my granddad and, and just let the world hear how he invested in people, how particularly he invested in you. Well, thanks so much, Mark. It, uh, it's always a great thing for me to talk about uh, my uncle Grover and he was my great uncle. Um, and um, when I was coming up, I mentioned about my dad kind of part-time farming. And so I got involved in, at an early age in 4-H and then later in FFA. And of course, Uncle Grover was the uh, agriculture teacher at Phil Campbell, Alabama, mm -hmm. when I was growing up. And so my local teacher uh, was pressing me to do projects and public speaking. And, and Uncle Grover would always just be so supportive. You know, he would, he would see me at these meetings and, and the contest for speaking. And later I was a state officer and he just took a a major interest in that. And what I noticed from kind of from the beginning with him was like you said, he had this special way of making you feel like you were kind of the center of the universe when he was speaking with you. And I, I liken it to a phrase, I, I didn't know this at the time, but it just came to my mind as you were describing uh, you and your, your cousins and their relationship with their grandfather. But I had a friend named Doug Coe, who all of his grandchildren, he had a bunch also like Uncle Grover did, and they all thought they were the favorite. And when he passed, they were had little arguments about it among them. <laughs> no, I was the favorite. No, I was the favorite. But he had this saying that he would say to them, he would say, I'm especially fond of you. Mm. And Uncle Grover didn't use that phrase, but that encapsulates what it felt like to be with him 
I, I had just never seen anybody who people were constantly coming to him when you were out and they were talking to him and he was laser focused on them when they did. And I think I told you, uh, so he eventually retired. And when I was a young farmer down in Red Bay, just getting started for a few years there, um, he, uh, he was back in the community. So I'd see him at the store, a little local store where the guys, all the farmers and landowners would kind of hang out in there at certain times. And I'd catch up with him there. And I'd just go down to his house sometimes. And it was always this really encouraging and uplifting conversation. I, I remember uh, one day he was working on a tractor when I came up. And so I walked over to the barn there where he was working and uh, he looked up and just lights up and uh, he comes out and he wants to know what, you know, what's going on. Well, let's go over to the house and, and uh, let's have a glass of tea and visit. And so you were, like I said, the center of attention. Mm -hmm. And you felt this kind of affirmation that it's just a gift for a person to be able to do it. He didn't care about the tractor. He'd get back to that whenever he could, right? Mm -hmm. But he had time there for, for in that moment. Well, I know I shared with you, but a few months, and there were numerous of these kinds of stories with Uncle Grover of, of us sitting and talking and um, and him being such an encourager. Uh, later on, after I had moved to Atlanta and been over here for a long time, I would go by and see him. My dad and I would go and see him because he was always a favorite of my dad's. You know, it was his uncle. And, and we always loved to go see Uncle Grover. And the interesting thing I would insert here is just a thought that flashed through. You know, your grandmother was around, but when he was doing his thing, you know that she was just supporting him, yeah. you know, she understood probably more than any of us ever will what that gift of time really looked like on the inside. Cause she was there and uh, always gracious, but I always just remember, you know, I'd go there and he was so zoned in on you, you know, there was, and you were visiting <laughs> him. I mean, he was just focused and, and it was just a delight to do it. Well, the last time I saw him, uh, was just a couple of months before the accident that, in which he died. And so I told my dad, I, I was down there visiting and, and my parents had moved to Russellville by then. And I said, we need to go to Red Bay. I need to see Uncle Grover. We want to find him and just visit a little bit. And, uh, you know, and I was looking to see other folks, relatives too, but that was the first one out of my mouth because I, I need to see Uncle Grover. So uh, we go down and he's not there. He's not at home. So, and we checked by the store coming in, you know, to make sure he wasn't right. up before. And uh, so we went on and, and I wanted to go uh, look at a couple of pieces of land with my dad. And so we did that and we came back by the house and he was, he pulled up while we were uh, there in the drive. And uh, so he got out and he was just thrilled to see us. And naturally we need to go in and, and get in the family room and, he wouldn't have anything but for me to sit in his chair. And my dad was sitting there on a couch and, and he pulled a, an ottoman over and sat down practically knee to knee. And he was just back and forth between us, you know, but he was just 
zeroed in. And we, I mean, we would have talked the rest of the day, I guess, except we, we had to get back to Russellville for another uh, activity with the family. But it, we must have stayed, you know, an hour, hour and a half. I don't know. The time just flew by when you were with him. And, uh, and it was just such a great day. He wanted to know about my family and my two boys and, you know, how their families were going, you know, their new families and all of that. Want to know everything. Want to know about business. Wanted to know about people I was engaged with and various, you know, relationship types of things. And we just talked and talked. And I was asking him about people that I knew he was related with, you know, that he had engaged with. And um, so then a couple of months later, uh, when he passed, uh, I, I couldn't get in in time for the visitation at the funeral home. But the, what I heard from some who had made it in there that evening was that they estimated, I think, close to 3,000 people came. And people were outside waiting for very long periods of time to come by and pay their respects and to tell their own individual story about how Uncle Grover had engaged them. At some point in their life, they either went to him in need or he saw them and engaged with them. Because he had a to me, that's a part of the gift of time is that is the uh, spiritual insight and the intuition to know where to engage. Right. And, uh, there was a real sensitivity that way with them. It really and, was. And I'll tell you, I was uh, in that receiving line at the uh, funeral home and Red Bay has a two parlor funeral home. Um, the police sheriff's office uh, they were out directing traffic because there was nowhere to park people were walking half a mile um the line wrapped around the outside of the building twice mm -hmm. and people Incredible. were people were coming we had two different uh families come up at where uh one of them would look at us and say this happened twice your grandfather paid my way through college Mm -hmm. We had no idea. Right. And another, another family came up and they said, your grandfather bought our children shoes when all we could afford was food. Mm -hmm. And we had no, I mean, we knew my, my grandfather was generous. He was generous with his uh, money as well as his time. Uh, but we had no idea. And it was, these people felt compelled to stand in this line for hours and hours uh, to be able to tell the family um, how much my grandfather blessed them. And so it was uh, a, a really powerful thing for me. In fact, um, I was on the fence at the time on whether to quit my job and go into a ministry position. And I was trying to get to a certain place financially and just organized in my life. Um, and I was like, what, what am I waiting for? Uh, I was, I, I realized my life was kind of on hold and I had all these things that I was trying to do. And uh, his death made me just listening to these stories, listening to the pastor uh, at the eulogy, just, it just opened my eyes to, I, I don't need to wait. I can start investing in people right now. Right. Right. So, and that little step stool ottoman thing is legendary in our family because he would do that 
<laughs> to, to all of us. I know. In fact, he turned 90 on March 5th, mm-hmm. and it was a Thursday. And two days later, we were all able to come down there and celebrate with him. Mm-hmm. And then five days after that, he pulled out in front of an 18-wheeler. And, right. Um, but he was going to feed his horses and his cows. And he still, at 90, was driving and doing uh, feeding cows and horses and uh, in a much more scaled back uh, time. But, you know, he was he still was very active. Oh, very much so. I mean, and, and so mentally alert. And, you know, I think one of the things, I mean, there's just all kinds of things that I've thought about over time about about how he expressed this gift of time and how it must have developed with him. I mean, um, because the generosity piece of it was a significant part. And so I think that with him, I believe he more than likely, he realized that this, this concept of the gift of time and focusing on people and making them feel that he had all the time in the world to hear their story mm-hmm. and that he was sincerely, I mean, this was the other thing about it. He was sincerely engaged. It was genuine. You knew it when you were with him. And that's why you could feel like you were the most special person. But for those who had a need, they were coming to him to tell him about their situation. And he developed then in time how he would, um, through intuition, through spiritual wisdom, he had the insight to know how to engage with people and to help. And then I think it's a very spiritual thing, but he gave that time you know, in a way that people knew that if you needed counsel, here was a wise person who would listen with interest in your situation. Yes. Um, But I think, you know, beyond that, he was seeking nothing but the relationship itself. And when he gave, it flowed out of that kind of heart. He, He wasn't, he didn't want any credit here. Right. That's, yeah, why no, that's why nobody knew. Nobody had an idea at all. And um, so, I, I mean, it's just, it was such a remarkable thing. And I have, you know, the Lord has really uh, dealt with me a lot on this, uh, on this whole concept of the gift of time. And I, it's something I pray for regularly is that I might have my Uncle Grover's gift of time and recognizing that com- what comes with it, a significant part of it, is the sensitivity to be able and the awareness of what's going on around you. Uh, and then the ability to withdraw when you feel that, that kind of nudge that, Hey, you need to engage. <laughs> you right. know, you're willing to make that move. He did that so smoothly, but he'd been doing it a while. <laughs> you know? well, yeah. So I've been praying that ever since that phrase uh, eight years ago, the gift of time, I was like, you know what? I, I want that for myself. Mm-hmm. And I also know that I'm a very tactical person. Like I get into a project, like if I'm working on a tractor, <laughs> I, I got to finish that. Right. It, it, it's hard for me to break away and say, oh, let's go have a glass of tea. And uh, so the Lord is prompting me mm. to he's helping me recognize these, these moments where I can invest time 
uh, and I can get back to the tractor later. That's right. Uh, so, That's right. well, I know that you've been incredibly blessed by uh, a lot of other folks as well. And we mentioned the Windy Gap Men's Retreat. It's normally a, a camp for kids, but one weekend out of the year, they, they give right. it to a bunch of guys and, and uh, we get to act like kids for a weekend. And there's, right. really, there's really not much of an agenda at this uh, retreat. Um, it's a great time for men to connect and uh, invest in one another and relax and rest and hear some good things, eat some good food. And, um, but I know that you've had, uh, some special relationships that have come out of that as well. Right. Right. And, uh, one of those is a man, I think you met there. Uh, he passed away a few years ago, a guy named Don Wrigley, who was really, most people would say, oh, he's the heart of the uh, Windy Gap time. Um, he was just a servant in the background. He didn't want anybody to know he was doing, he wanted to be invisible. <laughs> and, uh, and it was so interesting. So I, I kind of got introduced to him. Oh, I don't know. It would have been in the, I'd been going for a long time before I knew him personally. So I'd probably been going eight or 10 years before I actually personally met him. So this would have been, mid nineties. And we just kind of became fast friends, partly because he was another one of these people who understood that everything is really about relationships. And the reason we have time is so that we can have relationships. And, you know, these guys, whether it's Uncle Grover or Don Wrigley, they have the same 24 hour day period the rest of us do. It is a focus, you know, that and a sensitivity, I believe, that develop where the value of relationships. And I've thought about this several times. Don would say this about, you know, that they're the only thing that's really eternal that you get to carry over. And so uh, why not make sure that we invest in them significantly? And uh, so Don, though, would challenge uh, because you've been to Windy Gap a number of times now, and you know that the teachings and the agendas and all, they're not divided by denominations. They're, they're gathering everything in the person of Jesus and seeking to exalt him and to take the gospel teachings as simply as we possibly can. And so Don just lived life about that and challenged uh, me and a number of others to do the very same thing read the scripture, take it as literally as possible and live that. And so all of those passages of scripture that challenge us to know each other, to care for each other and those kinds of things, he, he just exhibited it and modeled it. And um, so it had tremendous, has had tremendous impact on me. And the key that I think he showed me and helped me understand that really related to your grandfather was that this thing about the sensitivity and the insight as to what's going on around you, the awareness is the crucial piece of really totally being able, we weren't calling it the gift of time when I was talking with him. I just, that came to me later when I was thinking about how to express my uncle Grover to okay. some men in small group. And, uh, and I challenged them to want the same thing. And, and as recently as uh, within the last 30 days, one of those groups, it's come up. One of the guys was like, I'm trying to figure out how to have that gift. Mm. 
it's just a remarkable thought for us, I think. Well, and it's one of the things I'm hoping for this podcast as it as it grows and uh, gets a, a wider audience that it will spark uh, an interest in, you know, one, who has invested in me? And if they're still around, how can I thank them? How can I bless them? How can I return that blessing to them? But also, uh, I hope it gives people a vision for how uh, important it is to invest in others. Uh, in fact, I've got a, a really good friend who I'll have on the podcast uh, soon, but he says uh, children spell love, T-I-M-E. And right. it may not be just children, right? Um, That's when, right. When we truly know that someone has invested time in us, truly cares, is locked in on us, pulls that ottoman up and and just locks knee to knee and, and is, is totally interested in you and what you have to say, you know you're loved. That's right. And so we're, we're hoping that this podcast will spark some, uh, some ideas for people and just a desire to go out and invest time. Sure. So, hey, and uh, so I just want to thank you because one, you took the time um, to find me at that camp after we had introduced uh, ourselves and you found me, you pulled me aside you locked in on me and you told me stories about my grandfather that I didn't know. And you told me about this gift of time and it has shaped uh, a lot of the last eight years for me. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I also want to thank you for the investment of time here today, uh, taking time out uh, of your schedule to, uh, uh, to help me kick this thing off and get it started. Well, I got to tell you, it was really just all my, uh, my pleasure to be a part of this. It's a, it's given me joy just knowing how you're approaching it and, uh, and how it, it's connecting into your grandfather and, uh, and that phrase, which, you know, I, I didn't think much about at the, when it first hit me, but then I, over time, I realized this is significant. Right. So um, I just thank you so much for inviting me to be a part of it, Bart. My pleasure. Well, great. Maybe we can have you on again. That'd be fun. That'd be All fun. Right. We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Gift of Time and that it encourages you to find ways to share the gift of your time with others. Who could you impact this week with a knee-to-knee conversation? The Gift of Time is brought to you by Axios Solutions, a company that believes in investing in others with the gift of time. To find out more about BART or Axios Solutions, visit bartjustice.com today.